As you can see, this one is a little bit longer than most episodes. I'm just going to kind of start letting them go. You know, if we're having a good conversation, I'm just going to let it go. If we need to end it for whatever reason, then I'll end it. But I hope that a few extra minutes of awesome conversation doesn't bother you. Because I know for a fact it didn't bother me. A little housekeeping thing. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I keep the, the talks that I have with my guests unedited. There's, there's no editing whatsoever. Uh, at least 99% of it is unedited. The only time I will edit something is if there's like a big old giant pause for any reason. You know, someone has to go to the bathroom or, you know, someone has to go talk to someone off camera or excuse me, not off camera, but off mic. Uh, other than that, everything is unedited. It is true conversation. There, there's no, no skipping, no, no, none of that. So yeah, that's kind of how I also keep these intros, except minus the, the long pauses that I might have. So everything, everything you hear is unedited, everything you hear is raw, everything you hear is real, and it is in real time. Today I get to speak with Isaac, he's a really, really cool guy, uh, very athletic, if anything, very athletic, but also very smart. He is super into fantasy, super into running, and that's about all I'm going to give you, because he, this conversation was really good. I really enjoyed speaking with Isaac and, and hearing about his journey from... Um, from where he was kind of kind of like yeah i want to do something and then not being good at it and then rising above the occasion and excelling at it really good story really good story Isaac hey how's it going can you hear me yeah I can hear you can you hear me yeah awesome sick um I'm just letting you know I I don't do this uh through video so if you want to you can turn your camera off oh okay cool um, I wasn't I saw that you uh had said that but I was you know if you wanted to have like face-to-face -face conversation or not so yeah no, no um it, I I try to have well I mean I shouldn't say I try I, I don't have video with any one just in case if for whatever reason they're not comfortable just to try and keep, oh. you know, that that thing there. Anyway, thanks for doing this. I'm real sorry about uh, not sending you an email. It was definitely one of those days to where, you know, you wake up and then it's just kind of like, uh, what's going on? And then the day just seems like it never ends. One thing led to another and I had to do a bunch of uh, house stuff. And then, you know, it was 445 and I was like, uh oh, shoot, I didn't uh, email Isaac. So <laughs> honestly, I feel like since COVID started and you know, the days just become a blur without their normal cadence. Yeah. I've done that so many times. Like it, it it's just <laughs> like you start the day off and you're like, oh, it's eight. I'm having my cup of coffee. And you put that cup of coffee down and suddenly it's 6 p.m. You're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. It, like I said, it, it was definitely one of those days, but I also felt like it went really long. I don't know how that works, but it felt like the day flew by. But every time I was checking the clock, it was like, oh, and 30 minutes went by. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's such a, you... such a weird thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, did you was it just like a day where you're like, ah, no work, just chill? Or was it like you also had the compounding of like work and all of that? Because that just adds so much to it. Yeah. So um, I actually don't have work Saturday, Sunday, Monday, which is really nice. Um, and so I, I work four 10 hour days, which is pretty long. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, so I didn't have, uh, I didn't have to go in today, but it was weird. I like woke up later than what I normally wake up where when I want, excuse me, when I normally wake up and it just was 
I don't know. Ever since then, it was just one of those really weird days. But yeah. Anyway, um, thanks for doing this uh, again. I really appreciate it, and thanks for being so chill. Um, real quick, I just want to say, um, if there's anything that you want me to like bleep out or like take out, um, because I do want to, of course, ask you about you know your running and everything. Um, yeah. if, if there's any sort of something you know that you're like, ah, I probably shouldn't have said that. You know, just let me know, and I'll and I'll bleep it out for you. Um, but totally. first, first things I, thankfully first. I haven't made any I haven't made any enemies in life so I think it should hey. be okay yeah that's pretty good awesome <laughs> anyway how was your weekend and it was pretty good. good um as you know like with the podcast life mm -hmm. uh we we did a recording session and uh so that was like pretty much the bulk of our Saturday nice um and it, it was the first time we didn't have a one of the um players slash actors come in uh, uh flying from california so adding the extra couple hours of setting up with the tech but uh outside of that it was it was pretty good i i don't know like um gosh the crazy i can't even remember what we did yesterday and <laughs> which i guess goes to speak to what it's been like for me for the past few weeks probably two months or so it's just like uh, every day that could have an appointment or something to do has just had it so um i got like a full nine hour sleep and so to me that was nice. like a success of a weekend nice see i wish i could do that <laughs> but i can't i i have to get up at like 4 45 to go to work oh. and so whenever i go to sleep regardless of how late it is i always seem to wake up right around five or six just because that's so mm -hmm. natural to me now i wish i could get more mm -hmm. than you know six hours here and there but you have you ever heard of uh jocko willink I have not. All right, so he um he was a part of like the Navy SEAL team, I think SEAL Team Six. And you ever go look at? And he does like a few podcasts, just kind of talking about military theory and uh, history and strategy and all that. And literally, all his Instagram is is like is just a picture of his watch. It just says four thirty a.m. And then his caption is always like something like "Get the day started." Like. Got a pretty successful following. You're just going to work, but you know you could just throw that up there. Just saying. Wait, wait, wait. Is this the guy that he's been doing the whole? You know, pretty much just like wake up early and do something to motivate your day, like regardless of what it is. Hasn't hasn't he been doing this for like years? The the bald guy, the older guy. Yeah, you exactly bald yeah, guy. You yeah, got yeah. It. Okay, yeah, I, I've seen him. He was on um. The only reason I know this, what was it like a Casey Neistat video or something like that? You had a conversation with him. He he's a pretty cool guy. I remember yeah yeah tough guy but yeah. pretty cool yeah. yeah i think i think there's a lot that uh everyone can take away from some of that mentality you know so gotcha yeah um so of course thank you uh like i said earlier thanks for being on here um i do want to of course try and keep this as um conversational as possible just kind of running you through mm -hmm. a few things so then you kind of understand what to expect i do have a few things that i of course want to talk about so if it doesn't like really come in you know naturally like of course i might just cut the conversation and then for sake of time just kind of move into something so if you know i i, I try and move on but you really want to you know roll back and say something please feel free don't feel like that me just kind of cutting it is like okay we're done um okay but it just honestly just super conversational um so pretty much Let's just kind of, I want to ask you, of course, about your running, but I want to do that later. Um, so tell me, D&D, <laughs> &D, why, why tabletop stuff? What, what's, a, what's a big draw into your table tabletop stuff? And then, of course, your oh. podcast. You can, you can go into that, too. Yeah, I mean, so I, I grew up 
um let's i i had i have siblings um mm-hmm. but my parents went through a divorce and of course i'm giving you the long answer but yeah, yeah, yeah. my parents went through a divorce and so it was really just my dad and my younger sister and i and um younger sister has quite a few disabilities including some developmental ones um mentally mm. and so even though i like you know i had the sibling to interact with the normal uh things that you would do with a sibling i wasn't able to do so i i always grew up in a world of my own like i like to say that in some ways when it came to playing i grew up uh like an only child and so my imagination just bloomed and blossomed mm. and it was just crazy so okay. i grew up with that background and naturally it led into a lot of arts like theater and stuff like that and as you start and along the way i kind of as a kid stumbled into tabletop role playing and uh it's part game as well as part role playing and so Mm -hmm. it was like a it was like a natural fit for the nerdy uh geek that's always been hiding within me uh (laughs) and, and coupled well with like just like that imagination yeah and so yeah i mean I grew up doing that. I grew up, I spent eight years creating uh, an entire world for um, role-playing games. I want to say it was like from like eight, when I was like eight to 16. And and I took a a break from that because I I got kind of insecure with my, with myself and, and, you know, not really sure who I, who I was, what was acceptable for other people to see, especially as I got into the world of sports. And so I took a break from that all the way up through uh, college into my first two years as a professional athlete and ended up rekindling my love of tabletop RPGs. And it actually, funny enough, it started with me discovering the box of this world that I built for eight years because I just, I couldn't get rid of it because I put so much time into it. And yeah. so then it started with me saying, you know what, like, I, I, this is, this is atrocious in terms of like mathematics and all of that and, and actual gameplay, but it is a super cool setting and so I, I i started writing and turning it into a book which then led it down the road to me getting back into role-playing games and and uh along the way just along with that just like he- hearing about podcasts getting into that world and finding out that there's this whole world of audio dramas that use tabletop rpgs and it's one thing led to another and now we're doing a sci-fi D audio drama show so and i will say it is pretty good i listened to the to almost all of the pilot almost all of it i had a i I was done with work and so i of course stopped listening simply because when i'm not at work i don't listen to podcasts i try and take a break but it's good Mm -hmm. i enjoy it and i will say this i'm not a big D &D fan i never really understood it yeah like Mm -hmm. it it was one of those things to where i heard about it and my parents were like you you don't want to do that you know not to say like in a negative (laughs) way but they're just like i don't think you would like that because i was always into sports and they're like why would you mm-hmm. want to sit around a table and play D?" and so i just never really gave it a second thought but listening to it, i was like man this is pretty good i like this it's interesting i don't know if i could personally play it. like i told you earlier like i don't know if i could play it, but i do like listening to it. it's pretty cool wait, yeah wait. i mean i think uh because it definitely went through like that phase of like every like it went through the phase where everyone thought it was like satanic right and everyone yeah, was hiding yeah, in the yeah. basement and i it's coming back from that into a good light but i think there's so many people who have this misunderstanding of what it is yeah would you care just for my understanding kind of like explain it a bit oh totally um i think the best way to describe it honestly is 
at its core to me it is it's a collaborative storytelling mm-hmm. um and collaborative between the gm game the game master and then all of the players um and everyone's basically like if you've done your job well i think that you should be able to have some sort of story that you could recount later like if you wanted to turn it into a book maybe you could mm-hmm. but ultimately um it's decided by uh dice uh, a die 20 um which it's basically just percentiles and stuff like that mm-hmm. that have been attributed to basic skills and stuff like and stats and how you interact within the world of the game in success or failures is is decided by that as well as like kind of coupled with player ingenuity and figuring out puzzles um and it, it varies the scale of how like story-esque it is to um i know that you're kind of into to video games but oh, yeah you know, it could also vary to not being very role play based, but being more map and grid based and being more like a Final Fantasy tactics where it's all mm. focused on like combat. So um, there's a little bit of something for everyone. Um, but ultimately, it's, you know, it's like the VR before there was VR. Yeah. It, so I, I take it as just pure like imagination, like literally the only way that you can or I should say this, like the only box is your imagination. So yeah, like, pretty much. Yeah. And I, I think like my old, my goal um, is obviously for everyone to have fun as yeah. I'm like kind of like GMing it. But I also have this secret goal. I don't tell anyone where I am trying to get the players to go from saying my character does this to I do this, like mm. trying to break down that barrier of yeah. realism. Um, yeah. And so, you know. So so with the whole thing, you know, kind of growing up, what was like your your basis for this this eight year project like are you still writing it have you been using it is it you know what your what is it starlight is is it what starlight is about or how yeah, like... no um totally so i get so what started it is um to be honest i had a, i had a small group of friends like friends that are like will always be friends um but outside of that like i was a pretty nerdy geeky dude and uh, I didn't really fit into any boxes or uh, group social settings. Mm-hmm. So, and then with my dad being kind of a single parent, raising me and my sister, and you know, my interactions with my sister were a lot different than you know a quote unquote normal interaction would would be um, yeah. because of the disabilities. But so I had a lot of time, you know, whether it was like when my sister was watching TV, and I would either feel that with reading or writing, and. Hmm writing naturally manifested into wanting to create this world that me and my friends were like playing these tabletop rpg games in and i'm a bit of a perfectionist so Hmm. once i start something it is so hard for me to stop and like always tweaking and always building and because like the basis of uh D &D is um everything happens within this setting well you need you have to know your setting so intimately you have to know the geopolitical struggles you need to know you know even down to like sometimes knowing like the population makeup of said imaginary town to individual motives or if you even if you don't know individual motives because there's so many things in this world you're creating you need to have like an idea of what it could be so honestly since i was creating this world i was just fleshing it out and it, it just took time like it's um pretty much what like every 
uh, epic fantasy writer or even like a lot of like world building and science fiction authors will do is they'll just spend so much time building the basis for their setting to take place. Um, and I, I wish that I could say that Starlight is uh, from that, but it's not. Starlight's just like something that I want to do something a little different because most D&D takes place in like that old style, like, you know, knights and castles and all of that sword and sorcery type thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, as of now, I took the entire setting and it's it's not the same, but it's very closely it's very closely aligned and it's in the works of becoming my first novel so i'm I'm actually almost done with draft three and about five chapters from finishing that and then giving it out to nice. beta readers and nice. uh yeah no it's, it's been like a labor it's been a big labor of love and um honestly i don't think authors get paid enough sometimes now that i know how much work goes into it yeah. um and so fingers crossed uh, people give me some hard-hitting advice. They tear it apart, and I can come back with another draft and then submit it to a publisher. But that's mm. that's where that eight-year project is going. Yeah, that's really cool because here's the thing. When I first, or I should say this, when you first contacted me, you know, I, I put out that Reddit post, and you're like, yeah, I'd like mm-hmm. to do this. I was like, first of all, man, that's a weird way to spell Isaac. Like, I've, I've, never, seen, <laughs> I've never seen anyone spell it that. So I typed it in on Google, and I was like, oh crap like this guy is the real deal i was like oh my goodness like he has all these ncaa records and everything i started sweating i was like uh i I was talking to my wife i was like you're never going to know who uh who just messaged me and she's like who and like i showed her and she's like wait what (laughs) it was really cool but i i would never and and i say all of that to say you know of course you're a you're a huge well-known sports guy in the collegiate level um but i never would have guessed you would be so into writing and so into the whole creative aspect of what is you know D and fantasy would you consider mm-hmm. yourself more of like uh, like a writer or would you just consider yourself like um a um not well endowed a uh shoot what's what's the term a well-rounded just fantasy geek if i can say that oh gosh you know, that's probably the highest compliment I've ever received. So <laughs> I'm going to go go with that. Um, okay. I, I would definitely, I, <laughs> I would say that that's my first love is, and probably will be the world I'll always be in. Whereas like sports and athletic endeavors, that has, I'll always be able to give back to that. And I always will because of how much it's changed my life, the travel mm-hmm. it's allowed me to go on and all of that. But that ultimately has like a clock. Like there's going to be a day when the knees give out. There's going to be a day where even if nothing goes wrong with your body, uh, the the pain is just too much or it's just like, you know, there's a good time to retire. Yeah. So I think while that has like a timeline, I creativity and perfecting that in whatever form that takes, that, that never stops. Mm. Um, so I think that will always be kind of who I am foremost. Now, one when we start training, when we're in the weight room, when we're at a race, like forget all of that. You're just getting raw, aggressive me. Like mm-hmm. you, you can throw all that creative stuff out the window because we're there to win. Yeah. Was would you consider it um, to have been rather hard to live in that sports life and then also want to be 
this creative person or would you consider it to have been pretty you know hand in hand or just easy I should say easier you know than than what people might think to you know want to to write you know this this fantasy novel if you will you know yeah. design these um campaigns is that what they're called yeah yeah campaigns uh, yeah yeah so you know design these campaigns but then also you know dedicate all this time to training and you know travel and actually competing yeah so I think that it's really difficult um earlier like or like when you're getting more serious with sports a or junior or senior year that can be really a difficult time because it's so formative and and mm -hmm. you might be looking for a scholarship and then when you're in college man like no way like you only have time only have time for a few things mm -hmm. and so for me like i was engaged i was um school and running which was like my job because i was paying for for my schooling mm -hmm. uh, so there was there was no way like i could do any of the creative stuff but then once you and i i think this is the case from talking to a lot of just professional athletes not only in the sport but in, in across spectrum is the the demands of profession being a professional athlete is so hard and tolling on the body that when you finish you're dead like mm. you 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 go home you know it's it you're having a good day if you go out to the bar you go get some brews or restaurant or whatever yeah. um or you're not too sore the next day but the flip side of that is even though you've worked yourself to exhaustion now have like a lot of times people are finishing with anywhere between three to five more hours than the average person who's working eight hours in a day. So you actually, if you can get yourself into a pattern and um, whether that's creating or whatever your passions are, it, it leaves a lot of time in the day to get better at those things than, um, and otherwise, like, I, I don't know if I was working, you know, out of college, like the normal, probably eight to, to 10, maybe yeah. even more, yeah. depending on the job. I like, gosh, I don't know if I'd be motivated to do a lot of these side projects. So I think it answer your question. I, I think as a professional athlete, it, it really complements it for sure. Hmm. That's interesting. Cause I've never heard anyone say that because here's the thing. I played sports in high school. I played soccer. Mm -hmm. Um, and so uh, you know, with you running, of course, you know, the grind in high school, you know, you only have school and then you train and then you're done. You go, you do your homework and you go to sleep. So I kind of understand yeah. that. And then not to mention, you know, going to college, my brother played uh, 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 soccer in college and he would tell me, you know, how hard it is because you have to train, you know, sometimes twice or even three times a day, depending on the day and depending on your schedule. And then on top of that, you know, you have to travel for all these games and then you also have to keep up with school and go to client, you know. So mm -hmm. it's interesting to hear you say that, you know, they kind of complement each other because I never honestly would have thought that. I would have thought that sports would just take up such a big part of life. And not not to say that it doesn't, but, you know, enough to where you wouldn't have this ability to be creative. Yeah, I mean, I like, I'm going to 100% agree. Like, college, no way. Like, you don't, you don't have time for that. Yeah. But I think almost like in a way, it's almost like a perk, you know, as you earn earn almost the right to have that time um mm. but at, you know you're also just so much more tired like in, in a funny way like i have way more time than a lot of my friends i don't have the energy to do as much as many cool things as they would do with it 
And then, um, you know, we, and it's different from sport to sport, but a lot of distance runners and I like, like I run the 1500 in the mile, but unfortunately I get lumped into a lot of training with the longer distance, 5k, 10k. And, uh, we'll go to altitude camps and we'll stay up in the mountains for anywhere from like a month to two months at a time to, uh, you know, make all of those, um, adaptations and get more red blood cells. And yeah, even once you're up there, it's like even more tiring, but now like there's no, there's nothing else in life. Like when I'm home, like you got to walk the dog, you got to make sure you have time to hang out with the wife and, uh, you know, get back to friends when you're there. Like you can like my phone, we go to Albuquerque and my phone doesn't work there. Like three fourths of the time. Like I literally have nothing but time after practice. So, um, and it, and it's, you know, that, that, that's a little bit unique to any sort of like sport where like, uh, the, there's a little less technique involved. Like you don't need to go through like plays per se and that yeah. kind of practice. Like, but, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's crazy. Could you kind of just talk a little bit about how you got into sports and like into the whole running scene and then what, and then you know, I guess we can go from there, but like, what was your first, I want to do sports. I want to run, you know, I, I want to do this instead of say like basketball or football or soccer or something like that. Yeah. So, um, I think from a, first psychologically, the reason I started getting into sports is a, I had a friend who was getting into tennis. I was like, my friend, my time of hanging out with my friend was suddenly gone. So I was like, well, I guess I need to do something. Uh, and two, my, my father was a military father. He's uh, an army ranger. And so with that came a lot of good things and also came with it a very, very strict household. So it became kind of a way to escape. Mm. Um, and I'll say like running is not my first choice. Like seriously is running anyone's first choice unless like <laughs> they were raised with it. Yeah, like, true, come true. on. Uh, I like, I vividly remember the pain of my first few years of running, but so I, I tried out for tennis in eighth grade. I got cut on the second day of tryouts, mm. tried out for baseball. I got cut in the first four hours. Oof. Um, like nothing worked for me. And yeah. then like out of pity, uh, someone, one of the PE teachers was like, why don't you just go try and run on that dirt track over there? Like they're, they don't cut people. Like, let's just see if you enjoy it. But I went out there and I mean, I was pretty competitive, like, and I think that was the first, like, I'm a pretty big positive affirmation person, whether like, and it can come from outside sources or I, if I constantly tell myself that like positive things, mm-hmm. it, it stokes the fire. And so someone had one of the, I don't remember who, but it, I was told, wow, that half mile you just ran, that's competitive with ninth graders in, in high school. And, you know, when you're like a middle school, you're like, oh, what? Yeah, yeah. No way. Yeah. And so that started the inkling of it. And that was in the spring of 2008. And then the summers came. There was the 2008 Olympics in Beijing, I believe. And um, what really like hit the fire really got me invested was um my sister and i were watching the uh it's a 5k um we had an american i think bronze 
for the first time in that event in so many years. But as we were watching, like my sister usually, even though like I can kind of, I can understand her pretty decently. Mm -hmm. She, but she doesn't speak like as you and I would speak. Like it's definitely like a very garbled, um, and it's more of like I can read her mood and like what she's pointing at and that sort of thing. But every once in a while, there is something that comes out like, you know, kind of like a blue moon moment. And so she we were watching that and she said that I wish I could run like that. And for me, like, even though my motivation has changed from this uh, with a little bit of maturity on my end, that is initially that moment is what got the fire lit in my heart was when she said that i realized like i can do that like which is funny because there was never any there's there's never been any question of like can i make it to the olympics like it was just like when she said that i was like of course i'm gonna make it to the olympics and and like this is a this is a this is a gift like that i can even just try like and um why why wouldn't i try to do what if i'm doing something why wouldn't i try to do it to the best of my ability and at that time like i was, i just told myself um cuz i had so many promises broken to me that i promised myself i was going to do what it took to eventually one day like go to the olympics and hopefully be able to take my family with me mm -hmm. um and and give her that experience uh as close as possible and um that that got the journey going. Oh. That's a fascinating story. I, I yeah, think it's it, funny how life happens. Yeah, <laughs> it like is kind of funny how life happens. I, I think it's really cool that, you know, you, you kind of your sister kind of said that and then you're like, yeah, you know what? I think I can do that. I'm going to do that. I find that to be yeah. very um, I, I find that to be very uh, inspiring, if you will. Uh, would you have gone to this this up? Uh, well, I guess it would have been this past summer, but the uh, 2021 Olympics in Japan. Man, I no clue. We didn't we, we didn't even get a chance to, to have an Olympic trials. Like Oh really? We uh the marathon had their trials just cuz like they like there's always the worry that if they compete in the summer, they're going to have there's just more chance of like things going wrong, heat exhaustion and stuff like that. So yeah. the marathon team's been chosen. Um and but the actual like USA track and field trials are always in like July um oh. so everything hit in march and i think we we had just gotten back when we found out about this we had just gotten back from albuquerque from the indoor u.s championships and we just taken a, a one week break and then we were meeting for our first week of practice and everything hit and um our coach danny mack he kind of grabbed all of us uh um all of us is in like kind of like the three um, oldest people on the team that were there and brought us together and told us kind of like, Hey, I think, I don't know what's going to happen, but I have a feeling that everything's going to get shut down. And, and that's what happened. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, so unfortunately, Dude, you know, that would have been so cool. That would have been so know, cool because I would have been watching. I would have been like, man, that kid goes to the college that's next to me. Like I could have seen him before. I mean, <laughs> that would have been so cool. Um, I know I had plans to bring back the fro, like, uh no. and just yeah so gotta wait for this year i guess yeah you gotta wait for this year yeah they're they're for sure well i shouldn't say for sure but they're they're pretty sure that they're going to be doing it this upcoming summer right i think so um although no so like uh, it's 
it, USATF, which is the foundation, like uh, governing body, is a little bit. Um, what's the word? They're not on top of it at times, mm. and so there is no plan necessarily that's out. I believe that they're working on something, but uh, TBD. I think I think there's going to be something, whether that's like um, you know massive testing protocols uh with no fans and then massive testing protocols in japan mm-hmm. or like i i ha- i don't know if they're gonna have fans or if like fans are gonna be required to wear like space age helmets that like lock in their <laughs> breathing who knows yeah. but yeah. um it'll be interesting I to think see what would happen yeah yeah because here's the thing when i found out that they were closing i was really sad because one i love watching the olympics it's so cool to see mm-hmm. how how far people can push their bodies um, not to mention, you know, my mom was always super into it when I was growing up. So she would always have it on during the summer and the winter. Uh, but I've always enjoyed watching, you know, people just sprint, you know, Usain Bolt just freaking, you know, oh, yeah. plowing the hundred or whatever it is, you know, and he does it in under 10 seconds or whatever uh, the record is, you know, just him being a beast and, you know, seeing Michael Phelps just destroy the, the, uh, the swimming. That's the best term I got for it. But I've always enjoyed to see the, the amount of determination and the training and everyone, you know, just putting their best out to try and even shave off quarter of a second to, to win it or to beat the record. I've always found that fascinating. Uh, Cause like you right. said earlier, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say like, I mean, that's just the human story, man. Yeah. It's like everyone wants to see these like impossible feats. So like, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, Cause like you said earlier, um, you're kind of like your own, you know, you, you, you pump yourself up, you know, whether that uh, be, you know, verbally or like in your head, you know, I, I'm the same exact way. I remember when I used to play soccer all the time, I would, if something was to happen, I'd be like, don't be, you know, don't, don't let, don't let it down. You know, if you scored an own goal by accident, you know, that's fine. Just push yourself forward. And I still do that now with, with almost everything, you know, even at work, I'll be like, Dang it, you know, I got to go to work. Hey, dude, it's going to be fine. You know, you're going to have a great day kind of thing. So I, I like to hear, you know, people, at least other than myself, are pumping themselves up in their head, you know, trying trying to really get it going. Makes me feel good. Makes me like, it makes me feel good knowing that I'm not totally insane talking to myself all the time, if anything. So, <laughs> Or, I mean, or we're all insane. Or, so. Yeah, exactly. Or we're all insane and we're all just weird, except no one wants to admit it. It's funny. Well, I mean, hey, I I draw like my favorite athlete in history is Bruce Lee, and he was famous for carrying around affirmation cards where he just True. like have like all those things in his wallet and like just have it ready to pull out. But um, I'm curious though, what when you watch the Olympics, do you have like a favorite sport that you watch? Or that's a good question. Um, I am a huge soccer fan. And I, and I have to say, I always call it football, but if I call it football and people get confused, even though American football is just hand egg, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, a, mm-hmm. it's whatever. Like, I'll watch it with my friends. You know, he's a big Cowboys fan, so he's watching the Cowboys game right now. But other than that, like, I'm a big soccer fan. So I love to watch the countries, you know, play soccer in the Olympics. Um, I, I, I almost like everything. I, I really don't think that I have necessarily a favorite, except, of course, from from soccer. Um, I love watching curling in the winter. I don't know what it is. I think it was just when I was younger, my mom was super into curling. And so I just kind of picked it up. Uh, You might be the first person that I've met in my life that has said like, they love curling. It's such a cool idea to where 
you have to be so precise. The precision alone. You take this big old thick polished rock and you have to push it just enough. If you push it just a tad too hard, it goes too far. If you push it just, you know, a little not enough, then it, it, it comes up short. I mean, of course, you got the sweepers and stuff, but then it, just the incredible teamwork that it takes fascinates me. So I'm someone yeah, that, I, yeah I, I'm someone that loves um, understanding people, you know, not not in any like weird way. I just like to understand how people work, you know, how people mm -hmm. think, you know, how the the um, you know, the makeup of a team, all that stuff. You know, I'm super into psychology and all that. So I, I just like to see, you know, the team dynamics and how everything works and how the people work and, you know, maybe the little things that they say, which, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to do that next time. You know, I love that. And I feel like curling is one of the, the best sports to to um, put that up on a pedestal. I mean, of course, you know, with with track and field, you know, if you're running the what is it, the relay, you know, you have to have a little bit and stuff not to say anything you know negative about that because that definitely takes a lot of skill handing off the baton you know mm -hmm. trusting that your person your teammates going to put that in your hand without you looking back because you know you have to you have to keep looking forward i can only imagine the stress in that in that moment but it's not about curling dude i don't know what it is but i just love curling but you know it's i, I guess i've never thought about this but it's like uh, unlike you know watching a relay handoff which is interesting it's happening so quick it's like blink and you miss it oh yeah uh, even though there's a million steps but you are literally watching the process unfold uh right in front of your eye like mm -hmm. with curling yeah so, it's so imagine, cool yeah and i uh but actually you might you might have convinced me to watch it with a whole brand new eye like honestly <laughs> i mean here's the thing I, I understand it's not for everyone i can remember when i was in um when i was in college and they did the winter olympics what was it like two winters ago or something like that whenever it was mm -hmm. and curling came on everyone would change and i'd be like no please don't change it like it's so good um but i don't know it's just one of the i guess those weird little things that i've just grown to like but like i said i just enjoy watching the team dynamic and i've always found curling just to be that super strong team dynamic but yeah i mean i, I see where you're coming from i yeah. I think it's still gonna be a hard sell to get me there but like i'm, <laughs> I'm a man who likes to say like when you give me a good reason or explanation, it deserves further investigation. So yeah. TBD on that. Get back to you. What would be your favorite? So let's go with this. What's your favorite summer minus, of course, the whole track thing? I mean, I would assume track is probably your favorite summer Olympic game. I'm sorry. I don't know what that term is, but, you know, probably your favorite um, sport. But what would be besides track your favorite and then winter? What would be your favorite? Okay. Hmm. You can't say curling. Oh, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't. That, that's off the table. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a, I'd be a fraud if I said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, where's hard? I, I like. Oh, you know what? Um, okay, that's actually. I say it's hard. It's easy. I, I've had a fascination, and maybe this is the 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 Dungeons and Dragons, but the fencing, Ooh. um, or any of the martial arts type stuff. Like, I, like. I love it. I'm not like my my coach is like a huge um, MMA fan, and and I've only just recently discovered that my wife was a WWE and a UFC like no, but, no. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I I you know you learn something new about the people close to you every day, and yeah, yeah. in eight years, so that since we've known each other, and it's like uh, wow. Um, but. Uh, I'm nowhere near to their level, but I think that I do have like a, a tendency to love those like combat 
things. And and for the same reason that you love curling, there's like a there's a finesse, there's an there's a such a precision to fencing. Um and I think like I I'm pretty inspired to try and pick it up later. I I, I work with this chiropractor and she works with the uh fencing national team. And I, I tried to convince her to like get my coach to let me do it on the side. And she was like, yeah, you're going to end up with one side of your body, like so much stronger than the other, because like, that's all they do is they yeah. stand on like whatever, like their point side is. They're just on that one side all the time. Hmm. Um, and, uh, winter. I I've had a, I used to think this was so lame, but over the past two winter Olympics that I've watched, I've started to really uh get a sweet spot for the um i don't even know what it's called the, is it f- the figure skating with the dancing like yeah 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 i i think that's that, what it is yeah yeah so that that is so cool to me i, I don't yeah. understand how like people do that i can barely stand on a wet floor with tennis shoes <laughs> that's so funny i it, it's funny that you say that because if it wasn't for curling that would probably be my favorite as well because that's what my mother that's my mother's top uh, figure skating thing she would always have curling and and figure skating on and so it's it's funny that you say figure skating because it's it's such a beautiful sport it really mm-hmm. is like the the sheer precision that you need to be able to throw your partner up have them spin four times and land it flawlessly all while trying to keep you know momentum and then you know as soon as you hit it you have to disperse the momentum that stuff is so cool to me it's so beautiful oh, yeah think about the trust that goes into it like oh my goodness yeah uh, those those um the their footwear like if if even one of your partners kicked out in just the wrong way that thing would slice you like oh yeah oh man or in your you're you're trusting that you're gonna catch them just fine like oh yeah mm-hmm. nope i'm amazed not for me i'm not gonna do it but yeah. i love watching it I'm just like you. I can't stand on a wet floor either. I tried to go ice skating once. Um, uh, it was my first time ever. And like I could stand, you know, but I, I wasn't very good at like pushing off or whatever to, you know, actually actually get some speed. And mm-hmm. I felt so bad because I was just kind of going around in a circle and I fell over and I was just kind of sitting there trying to stand up. And the uh, dean of the school at the time was coming towards me and it was his first time as well. And he couldn't stop and he just ran over me and like hit his <laughs> face in the ice. I felt so bad. That's when I quit because I was like, nah, I don't want to do that again. That makes me feel awful. So funny. Yeah. Yeah. Very. That's a humbling <laughs> experience. The dean. Was yeah. it like a school trip or something? The dean yeah. just crashed into you? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I went to a small little uh, private school uh, out in Montana, you know, so. Okay. It kind of it should be a little self-explanatory. I think my high school had like 100 kids in it, and my senior class was 18, give or take a bit. Um, mm-hmm. But we it was just some uh, class trip kind of thing to where they just wanted to, they just wanted to, you know, take us out for, you know, Christmas and whatnot, you know, take a, take a day to just kind of relax. And so everyone wanted to go ice skating. I was like, nah, dude, I don't want to go. I'd rather go sledding, but everyone wanted to go ice skating. So then I gave it a shot. And then I took off the skates as soon as he tripped over me and I felt awful. Never did it again. Yeah, don't I don't blame you. Um I so I there's something about like the ice and the cold and snow and just that whole element that just doesn't work for me. Like really? Uh yeah, like um 
like so my dad of course being a military man was really big into boy scouts as well and uh for me and but whenever winter came around he would drag me out on these awful like winter backpacking trips and i i know people love them i know they say it's beautiful mm-hmm. me seeing snow on a tree is like why do you want to go sleep under that yeah like the, no, no i get that so, i get that yeah that whole element you know ice covered floors ice covered lakes snow like just oh no just keep give me a fireplace please no, I, I get that when, like I said, I was in Montana. And so sometimes, you know, we'd have over a foot of snow. And as soon as it oh. snowed, it never cleared up until like March. So I had to live with snow. I can remember there was one time I used to work at, at a Target uh, way back in the day. And um, it was one of those super stupid early morning shifts. I'd have to wake up at like 2.30 in the morning to go to work at like 3 or something. And I was going to uh, start my car up and um middle of winter and i open up the door and had to shut it immediately and i was like how cold is it it was minus 20 degrees fahrenheit minus 20 oh it didn't gosh. get above minus 10 the rest of the week it was so cold it was awful not to mention the yeah. snow yeah i mean so i i just had a buddy who moved out to the east coast and he's raving about it and uh and he he knows how much i hate the cold so for a bit he was like oh you should move out here you should move here and i was like well what about the winter it sounds terrible and um he's like oh it's not that bad and i was out i saw him last winter and just like any any chance he had of me like ever moving to a place that has really bad cold is just out, out the window um yeah yeah it's, so yeah go ahead i actually i i have like a, a question for you then. yeah of course i'm curious i i learned the other day and I don't know if it's true, but for people who grew up in really cold areas like Montana or whatever, like that there's this thing about like keeping kitty litter in your car in case you ever get stuck and it like gives you traction to throw it. Is that like true or like that? Yeah, I wanted yeah, yeah. to talk about it today, but with someone and but I didn't want to sound like an idiot. No, no, that's actually. So the thing is, is like um, depending on the car that you have. And of course, depending on where you live, you know, you, there's going to be ice on the road. So you need four wheel drive. You know, mm-hmm. you, you need all the tires to do the same thing. You can't just have, you know, the back tire or uh, front wheel drive or, you know, whatever. You need four wheel drive because the roads are icy. And then you need to be able to, you know, have all the tires grip and be able to push at once. So it's not, you know, like you're pushing or pulling. Every, everything's doing the same. So usually what happens is. If your car isn't heavy enough, you know, or it's super front heavy or super back heavy, what people will do to try and uh, evenly distribute the weight will take cinder blocks or, you know, big old giant tree stump, you know, some, or kitty litter, you know, something heavy to then put in the trunk or to put in the cab, depending on, of course, you know, the, the weight of the vehicle uh, to try and help disperse some of that weight and try and even it out. So then it can actually like, you know, not fishtail, you know, if the front is way too heavy. You know, so yes, people do do end up doing that, um, but a lot of people get creative and they just use you know cinder blocks or you know something else that's relatively heavy. I know I know people would actually go out for whatever stupid reason. Actually, I guess it's not stupid, but they would buy like full on weight sets, like dumbbells and uh-huh. stuff, keep it in the back of their car, and then during the summertime, you know, they would take it out and use it to work out, and then they would put it back in the winter time because you yeah. know it's so heavy. So yes, people uh, do end up doing yeah. that. I, I don't know, like, so even though I was born in Detroit and like, like most people in their military background, they end up, if they 
end up in Tacoma, which is where I ended up as a kid. You start somewhere else. Your parents move to Fort Lewis, and then you move out to Tacoma. So I have grown up in Tacoma most of my life. So Mm -hmm. I've had this, like, cushy Pacific Northwest, like, lifestyle where, like, the worst thing you get is this mist. And uh, I I literally, theoretically, from Boy Scouts, I know how to survive, but I I don't know how to survive. No, yeah, it's it's pretty... um... It's a pretty big change going out there, you know, even out to like Idaho. It's it's crazy. I would assume, you know, you've been probably all over. So you've probably seen all the different areas and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But of course, no, for sure. Yeah. So so real quick, you do track in the springtime. Yeah. Uh, That's that's when our main season is. Okay. We actually have two seasons. Wait, so, what? yeah, yeah. We have an entire indoor season that happens oh. during the winter. Oh. And so. This right now, this time of like fall up through January will be like our base building where we'll get a lot of our fitness. We'll do a lot of our like fitness in terms of long miles, tempo runs, um, long intervals, like mile repeats to two mile repeats, not the the fast stuff. Mm. Um, And that'll all be in preparation for like the indoor season, which is on like 200 meter bank tracks that are they're in different facilities. Um, a lot of the really good tracks tend to be over on the East coast. Um, yeah, but think of it, it's more like, that's like our preseason. Like, yeah. it's not really indicative of anything. It's just like, if you, if you make a world's team off of like an indoors world's team, more power to you, but like, it's more of a springboard for the real season in the spring. Gotcha. Yeah. I didn't realize that you guys had a off season or preseason, if you will. That's, that's interesting. But, um, yeah, it like kind of going back to the whole, um, the whole snow you know cold thing like you have it so easy here we, i should say we have it easy here you know it might only get to freezing you know 32 for a few days and we might get some snow but for the most mm-hmm. part it's just so nice here you know like the mist is beautiful i love how the weather you know stays right around 40 or 30 you know i love that cold weather so it, it's definitely much better than way out in the middle of nowhere montana that's for sure yeah and it, and it's honestly it's so ideal for um training like i know so many people who like live in places where it snows a lot and usually in places like that there are there's access to indoors tracks but Mm -hmm. you know there there's not as many indoor track facilities and like as you can tell like there aren't like there's not like there's like professional stadiums generally Mm -hmm. or even running so it's like a lot of things you're doing is at the discretion of other people's facilities or colleges so yeah, having talked to quite a few buddies who live out in places like that, they they talk about the disruption that like winter can be sometimes where it's like, yeah, I, I know people who literally like they will go do their repeats in a car garage. Jeez. It makes sense. So, like where the, yeah. the town that I lived in, they had some um, big old giant, just empty, like. I don't know, warehouses, if you will. And, you know, people will rent them out, you know, for a few days and they do like indoor soccer or, you know, indoor sports or training for track or whatever it is, you know, just because you literally can't do anything outside. It sucks 100%. So it's it's nice to be here and have, you know, grass, you know, 364 days minus the one day that we might get snow. So it's it's beautiful, though. I, I love it so much. It, it's kind of funny, though, that you say that you hate the cold, but yet it is pretty cold here most of winter. How do you get around that? How, do you just like suck it up? Uh, yeah, I think you just you just suck it up, especially yeah. like 
I'm used to it to some degree. Like, I mean, I've been doing this now for, I feel so old. I've been doing this now for like over 10 years since, since mm-hmm. I started. But yeah. um, you just get used to like, I don't know, like being wet and dealing with it. Yeah. We went to, we were in um, Iceland uh, in 2018, my wife and I. Lucky. And this was like post postseason. Uh, it was, yeah, beyond lucky. It was awesome. Like we didn't even realize because like Iceland Air, they do like stopovers. So like we weren't even going to go there. And then it popped up on like our online when we were buying the tickets and they're like, oh, Iceland does stopovers where like for no extra charge, you can stop for up to seven days in Iceland and then continue mm-hmm. on your trip. So we we did that. And one of the big takeaways we got, because it was just freezing there in the mm-hmm. fall, like, and one of the big takeaways we got from this flea market, the lady's like helping us. She's totally swindling us. She's like overselling these like sweaters, but whatever. We're tourists and we're like, <laughs> oh, we want we want the real experience. Yeah, take my money. We'll yeah. talk you down a little bit, but not really. But um, she goes, there's no such thing as bad weather. There's only bad clothing. Mm. And so I, yeah, ever since she said that, that's always kind of stuck with me in a way of like, even more than just that of like it's really it's always just preparedness no matter what it you know yeah um that's kind of a weird tangent but no no i think it's i think it's good to to, you know trying to have more of a positive outlook rather than be like oh man the weather sucks you know nah dude just wear better clothes makes perfect sense Mm -hmm. makes perfect sense um so why do you love japan what about Japan draws you to it? Oh man, kind of changing is... gears a little bit. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, Japan. I I I don't know. Like, the, uh, I mean, is it cool if I if it's a good? <laughs> nah, dude, you, I, I don't you know how questionable yeah. this is, but go ahead. Okay, so, um, at least for me, growing up, like. There was always this like stereotype that my friends would talk about and they would always say like i don't know what it is but like black kids love dragon ball z and they love naruto and they love all this like anime stuff and mm-hmm. i 100 was like it's not a stereotype it's true i love it all <laughs> like from day one i just like i came out the womb loving anime and then so i think when you like when you're in that lifestyle you're so like you get so into it that Mm -hmm. then like with it comes the culture and so having grown up with so much anime in my life like i feel like this draw to go to this place where i've gotten all these stories and like cool ideas from i i don't know if i'm gonna actually like it but i'm i think i've already convinced myself i'm gonna like it um it's a beautiful uh, area so have you been i have been um i I went to okinawa for two weeks and um i of course wasn't able really to go to the main island which kind of sucked mm-hmm. but i got to fly into tokyo and see mount uh, fuji and i got to see uh, osaka uh, as the sun was setting and even just flying over uh japan in general uh when the sun was up was just gorgeous it's such a beautiful country not to mention their their culture is so rich and it's just mm-hmm. so nice like everyone there is just so polite they're so caring, you know, it doesn't matter what age you are, it doesn't matter, you know, what gender you are, it doesn't matter anything, like, they're going to respect you, even if, you know, you're an ignorant American like I kind of was. It, it was just such a cool area and such a nice culture to be in that really helped me to 
change my mindset a little bit about some things, but it, it's beautiful. It's definitely something that I would consider a lot of people, um, I, I would say, go to it. it. It's definitely one of those countries where it helps form um, a better opinion about who you are and about others. So, Yeah, I mean, and like, gosh, I'm, I'm honestly so jealous. And I think like, that's probably a big draw of it too, is just like how different the culture is from ours. Um, like our culture is rich in its own different way, but <laughs> just, just the richness of that culture. And then like the, uh, you know, the politeness is such a big part of it. Oh, yeah. um, I remember seeing like you probably, you know, as a football guy, soccer, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure like their, their whole fan base, right? That's the, that's the blue, the, the blue wave, right? Isn't that what they're called? I'm not sure exactly what they're called, but I do know that there is a huge influence, especially in like the English Premier League. There's a few um, uh, clubs that are sponsored by, uh, I want to say it's Japanese companies. Um, I want to say one is like maybe Vietnamese. And so they have their, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but their symbol language, you know? And so of course you can't read it unless if you of course speak that language. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we there's a huge influence of uh, Asian cultures at least in the in the soccer football if you will um scene i didn't know that that's actually really cool yeah. i would have thought it was like the other way around like a huge almost overbearing european influence but um i remember seeing this video of like just there like two opposing sides of like the fans um after a big match and one side, I don't remember which team it was, just like tore up just culturally, just as their thing. They tore up the stands, left trash everywhere. And everyone from the Japan just starts like cleaning up trash. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is going on? Like, this is that's crazy. Yeah. And it, it like it's I don't want to sound super like, oh, yeah, they do that over. there. They do that over there, though. Like, that's who they are. You know, that's not just them saying, oh, we're going to try and leave a, you know, a nice little smile, you know, for for people, you know, they're not trying to, you know, make themselves look better. That's literally what they do. It's so cool to see just how everyone works together for the greater good of just themselves and, you know, the the culture and I would argue, you know, the world just because they want to try and do the best, you know, to leave little waste. They want to do the best, you know, at excelling in terms of uh you know people being smart even though that wasn't a smart way to say it i don't know how else (laughs) how to say it you know they they honestly are just so so good yeah that's the best way to put it um you say you like traveling where where all have you been oh man um let's see i've been a lot a lot of places in the u.s Mm -hmm. um and then internationally like i would like to go more but so far i've been to iceland i've been to multiple parts in the uk mm-hmm. um ireland um germany which was awesome we, mm-hmm. my wife and i stumbled into germany during Oktoberfest. like Ooh. it was a complete accident best accident ever oh yeah um from there we took a train and ended up in austria and then well slovenia oh, we went cool. to italy and oh i've been to australia um, no way down under uh down under wow long flight man it's a 
but it's it's well worth it. Um, so I, cool. I would recommend it. Like, it's it's so bizarre. Like, it, to be on a plane for that long, like, you lose complete like understanding of time. Like, mm-hmm. it just doesn't make sense anymore until you get there, and then you're just like wrecked for so long. Yeah. Um, and then one other place. Uh, Spain. Been to Spain. Wow. You, so, you're a nice little traveler, eh? You travel quite a lot. I'm trying. I, I'm trying to fill out this passport. Uh, <laughs> so, I you, think... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to say that I think, like, our next trips, whenever whenever COVID allowing, we're going to try and either do South America or someone in a- somewhere in Asia. But, but, yeah. Have you been to all 50 states? No, no. I I would love to though. Yeah. Um I just like all of my travel in the states tend to be like where work takes me. Oh, okay. Um, so but one one day, like what about you? Have you like have you been to most of the states or? I've been to most of them, but a lot of them I would I've driven through almost all of them. I've never been to Hawaii, I've never been to Alaska, but I've driven through almost every other state. I have family all over the East Coast, so I've been all throughout the East Coast. Um I've driven from Florida to Montana uh twice, and so each time we took different routes, and so I've been through the Dakotas, I've been through Midwest. Um I moved when I was younger from Missouri all the way out to Las Vegas, and so you know, I made the the trek through Oklahoma and Texas. You know, I've been pretty much everywhere i've had really long road trips and you know like i said with family all over i've traveled a lot so i would consider myself to be maybe 45 or something like that out of the 50 states i've been i've been to almost all of them i I would i would argue yeah yeah so i mean you do got to get out to hawaii like Uh, like the the food there is amazing Mm -hmm. i mean i mean you know everyone Everyone says it's amazing, but uh, you know, Hawaii is a weird one. So, like, so is Alaska. Like, they're just so far away. Like, yeah, it, it doesn't even feel like they should be a part of the U.S. Like, it's so weird. Yeah, it's it's weird to me how, like, of course, you know, Alaska was bought from Russia. Or I think that's what it was, right? But it, it's weird to me how it's not Canadian. You know, it's not like Canada owns it because it's just right? like some weird little like abscess if you will that's just kind of off of canada like why doesn't canada just take it and then not to mention hawaii it's like a little tiny polynesian island which i think is closer to australia if i'm not mistaken that somehow the u.s owns like why can't it just be its own country (laughs) it's just weird to me like like how did the the states come about even finding that thing right yeah i feel like I, i have no clue about alaska like honestly uh it it kind of blows it would blow my mind it blows my mind if like at some point we were like so cordial with russia we just bought it from them i'm like yeah i'm sure we did it's just hard to like imagine that being a time yeah and then i think with uh why right like when we were in the pacific theater for world war ii it made like well i don't know if it was already a part of the u.s but for sure it must have been like a strategic point or uh you know being able to stage any groups or, or refueling areas, right? Yeah. Um, August 21st, 1959 is when Hawaii became a state. Okay. So, of course, they knew about it beforehand because, like you said, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure they used it as some sort of thing in World War II. Could be totally wrong. 
but I'm pretty sure they did. And it was it was shortly after that, you know, only what fifteen years or so after that they made it a state. So that's crazy. So, so, so what is the reason that you, you keep saying, you know, or I shouldn't say keep saying, excuse me, that you've come back to Washington, like, like what's the draw in Washington? Why, why choose UW? You know, like what's the draw? Man, I think like, well, part of it is there's just like a knowing, right? You, you know, with, you can, it's just like in your DNA, you can't exactly explain it. So that's a part of it. Okay. But there's, uh, I don't know, I've seen just, I've seen so many different uh sceneries and and cities and honestly i've liked quite a few cities more but like the, the greenness here the i think the water like being next to the, the sound i think mm. that's just in my in my blood and honestly um i kind of laugh about it now because like i've learned a lot of like my my mood is like is related to food like i can get hangry really easily mm-hmm. i think there's like a little bit of a natural like uh disposition change that i can have um in some ways i feel like that's mirrored by the weather so Mm. it it, it just feels like washington lives within me um i get that whereas like i've talked to a few of my teammates and they kind of come from all over and Mm. maybe they're just more used to like traveling but they'll often say like i could live here yeah i could live here and i i don't think there's ever been many times when i've said i could live here uh but and and then i think when you're like i said with the altitude trips when you're um away you know for two months or whatever Mm -hmm. um you know the absence can make the heart grow fonder i think and so especially when we go to albuquerque and there's like dirt and cactuses <laughs> and <laughs> not much else no water yeah yeah it makes you appreciate what you have yeah. and so i, I think it, it's only reinforced it and um and it's it's funny because like all of these things are like not community-based things i think they're things that just like fill me up as a person mm-hmm. um and i wish i could say like it's like there is totally like the seattle freeze out here yeah. and uh for some reason like either either i'm a contributor to it and uh so therefore it doesn't bother me Mm -hmm. or you know i can just like overlook it for like the ability to escape to the mountains and the water and all of that Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's so it's honestly so pretty out here and i i totally get what you mean because i actually lived in um south of portland for uh, about 30 minutes 45 minutes south of portland to go to school Mm -hmm. And um, okay. when I was down there, I was like, yeah, you know, it's it's not Montana. That's for sure. It's not Montana at all. It, you know, it had it was close to the ocean, you know, about an hour and then about an hour. The other direction was, you know, the mountains. So it was it was something. But my wife actually lives up or she lived up north in the islands. Right. Mm-hmm. And so in, in Washington, uh, up in the islands up there. And so I would take okay. trips over the summer to go see her and just driving through Seattle, you know, and then driving up you know, I five, you know, kind of seeing the mountains. And so I was like, Oh, it's just so pretty up here. Like there, there's just, there's a draw to it, man. And I, and like you said, I'm not sure if it's one thing or another. It's just, it's just so pretty. Yeah. It, I it's think gorgeous. Like, are you like, are you, I feel like it's an out, like, are you an outdoorsy type person? Like you love to get out for hiking and all of that sort of stuff. Yes. And no, I used to be really into it, but not recently. Um, 
And I think it's just after I graduated, I moved up here. And then the whole idea of, you know, getting married and stuff shortly after and then um, trying to, you know, figure life out and then COVID and everything. I think that kind of put a damper on me wanting to go out just because it's like I literally don't know what's going on. But I would consider yeah. myself, you know, I, I would love to go hiking and stuff more and, you know, explore and everything. Uh, I have um, some family that lives out um, just east of Issaquah a little bit. And uh, so I would go out and see them. You know, you're driving through, what is that, 90? You're going east 90. Oh, and you're yeah. just driving through, you know, big sign. You can see big sign, little sign. You're like, oh, it's so pretty. It, it, I, I love it. I Like, I want to hike that stuff. I want to do it. It's just, It's just such uncertain times right now that I think right. it's kind of deterred me from that. Not to say that I don't want to do it, but it's like, I don't know. I think I'm making excuses more than anything, but. <laughs> I, I I might be hearing a little bit of that, but yeah, yeah. you never know. Like things are so, at times, so turbulent, right? You could be yeah. out in a hike and you could get back and you could get a text saying the world went crazy. There's no toilet paper anymore in the stores. Yeah, yeah. You I missed think, your chance. Yeah, I think that's where I stand on it. It's just like, I, I'm not someone who's like super anxious. I'm very calm if I, if I can say that. Um, but at the same time, it's just because it's such a weird time right now. I just don't want something to happen. You know, I don't want my wife to, you know, all of a sudden need something because, you know, she's not working right now and she, um, she'll need, you know, the car or, you know, like mm -hmm. she might have to go interview and, you know, you know, it's just like, there's so many things that are, that could be up in the air. I'm just, I guess, worried because I don't want something to go bad more than anything, but yeah, that, that's no, kind of where I, I stand. I hear you like it, it, it. We live in very like interesting times. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of there's a lot of people who say like, you know, this is the end of the end of whatever, you know, and, and they make it sound like it's like, you know, the world's coming to an end. And but we have we've also been through so much worse as a country and yeah, in times true. before that, like. We're going to come out the other side, you know, that's true. Uh, and I, and I, and I believe in, I believe history like repeats itself, but in like an upward fashion, like we, we repeat themes of history, but like, we're always generally better off than we were mm -hmm. 50 years ago. And so I think we're, I think we're going to, we're going to go through this uncertain time and we're going to come out of it stronger, you know, yeah. regardless of whatever happens. Yeah, I, I, the, and of course, I don't want to get super, you know, into all the like political things and, you know, all the, the social issues and stuff that's going on. But no, I agree with you. I, I just have a big fear for, uh, you know, the people who are just so opinionated that it's either their opinion or the highway. Like they're not open minded enough mm -hmm. to just kind of think, you know, like, oh, maybe I might be wrong. It's like, no, this is bad. It's, it's wrong. You know what I mean? Yep. No, I 100% yeah. know. Like it, it just scares me, honestly. We, my wife and I are very like middle of the road where, and I think, I think for me, like that partially comes from writing. Like once you start writing fictional characters, you start to, it forces you to imagine this character as a real person. And to like, even if you don't like the character to understand their viewpoint. And, uh, I, I think like, yeah, anyways, we have this very like middle of the road where it's like absorb, absorb what's around you, like all sides of it. And you know, it's so opinionated. It's like, like you said, it's so polarizing that, that mm -hmm. everyone wants to scream louder than each other. Yeah. And like, and of course, like I said, I don't want to get into politics, but I'm just going to say this as an example, you know, with the mm -hmm. whole election coming up, you know, everyone's bashing on Trump. Everyone's, you know, who's, 
or I should say this, everyone who's on Biden's side is bashing Trump. Everyone who's on Trump's side is bashing Biden. But the thing mm-hmm. is, is like most of the people that are arguing about either side, they're just attacking the person, dude. They're just using logical fallacies. They're using ad hominem. They're not even bringing up 99% of the time. They're not bringing up any kind of thing. It's just, no, I just hate this guy. And that's where the fear, uh, at least for me, that's where the fear lies because it's like most people don't have the capacity to actually argue something, they just get frustrated and say, no, he's stupid. And that's the problem. That's, I, I guess I say that to say that's where I'm like worried because I don't know what's mm-hmm. going to happen on the other side. It, it just kind of scares me. But I'm very middle ground like you. Like I try and look at both sides more than anything, but you know. Yep. Yep. It's, I, it's very yeah. scary. We're in the, we're, we are literally on the same page. So yeah. I hear you. <laughs> I'm glad to know that there's a, another person out there up here in Seattle that shares the same views as me and they're not super, super like liberal or conservative or anything. It's kind of nice. Yeah, I yep. Because <laughs> you just kind of like you end up in echo chambers. Yeah, and then you you truly feel you can feel alone, uh, no matter where you sit. So yeah, yep. Super unfortunate times that we live in. Um, so you say that you are. Let 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 me backtrack. What is your job? What do you mind me asking? What you do? Oh yeah. Um, I, yeah, I literally, I run, I run run and work out and, um, yeah, I'm a professional athlete. So I like it, basically how it works is, um, you, it doesn't have to be out of college, but most time, most athletes in track and field come out of the collegiate system because it's honestly, it's so, it's such high quality. Mm -hmm. Um, you get scouted out by agents, um, and then in a similar fashion to like uh american football or or basketball um you they you get a contract offer mm-hmm. and in in like american football or you know basketball that contract's going to come from like the team um or whatever but for us it's going to come from the shoe company um and so my offer came like I had quite a few offers and I ended up going with Brooks just because my family was here and I, I didn't know if my dad would ever need help with my sister. So I want to be close. Um, yeah, yeah. And then I love Seattle, like we talked about, but yeah, essentially I got my, I have my contract with, with uh, Brooks running down in Fremont and mm. they basically pay, they pay my, they pay me a sal- a full-time salary. And then on top of it, there's bonuses or there's rollovers to increase it based off of performance. And, and you know it's it's definitely like a it's it's not a lifestyle you live if you're if you're risk adverse because you know based on how you how you perform and there's so many things you can't control like however long your contract is i've seen people have contracts for one year i've seen people have contracts for 6 years at a time like you could come out the other end with no contract like have your feet cut out from under you you could come out if you perform well you do your job you could come out with a similar contract or even better or mm. you know you might get a pretty big reduction it's like there's so many variables that go into it um but at its base level yeah you you get these you get a contract you and you you know you you get in line with the program and the coach and and uh you get after it that's interesting because I never would have thought that you would be contracted by like, for example, a shoe company, because in my mind, when I'm thinking of work, I think of, okay, I'm providing a service for, you know, whatever company 
and I'm making them money, but then I get paid for that service pretty much. And so how, so, so when you say, you know, this is your job, um, just because I'm so traditional in that whole idea of work, are mm-hmm. you, are they trying try to help me understand? Are they, are they, so of course, you know, you're, you're sponsored by them, you know, you're using their shoes and whatnot. Is it like if you perform, you know, really well at a certain event or something like that, they they take a chunk of your money? So that's kind of how it works? Or how does that whole thing work? If you can get into details, that is. Oh, totally. Yeah, I have no, I you know, honestly, there is such an issue with transparency in contracts. Whereas like in a lot of other sports, you can like get, figure out people's, like the transparency is there. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of corruption in our sport specifically because the transparency is not there but yeah so you ideally your agent who is the one who gets a cut of your contract um we'll get into that later because i have a lot of thoughts about that (laughs) but um they're not they're not all good but um they help you get they help you kind of haggle out your contract um and ideally they'll play multiple companies off each other and really get the best deal that you can get and as for the particulars that come in the contract, you know, it can vary. So what usually happens is someone's given like a base pay salary. So let's just say like uh, uh, Joe Runner makes $50,000 base pay salary for three years. Mm-hmm. So that, that that's that's his money. That's what he's going to get, you know, on a quarterly basis or however the contract says it's paid out. Um, on top of it, a lot of times you'll have... Um, bonuses written in the contract from the company that's sponsoring you because the the idea is like they want to pay you they they want to pay you enough money to be economical on their end and and like obviously they're always trying to pay the least amount and mm-hmm. your agent's trying to get them to pay the most for what you're worth and usually it works out somewhere in the middle ideally and but the better you do the more likely you are to end up not likely you will end up on teams you will end up you know being seen internationally um uh because track and field is pretty big internationally even though like it's not as big in the u.s mm-hmm. so you, you're essentially just a billboard you're, you're getting them more screen time oh, so that's okay. where you get these bonuses built in where it's like you know if you place uh like first at usa's that's a twenty thousand dollar bonus if you you know and oh. maybe that's first at USA's on an Olympic trials where like, uh, you know, first at USA's on a year that's not Olympic trials might be like, sub- like might be $10,000 less. Um, you know, personally for me, one of the reasons I didn't go with Nike um, is because, and, and they get a lot of flack for this. And I know a lot of athletes that they haven't like actually forced this on, but um, there are some companies, Nike being one of them, that like they'll do reductions as well. Like if you don't race six races in a year, or if you underperform by this much, they'll reduce your contract hmm. uh, by ten thousand dollars or whatever, or down to like this, you know, whatever number. Yeah. Um. So, you know, you and and there's plus and minuses that because that if you have reductions it might mean that you're getting this actually really good deal of pay up front. And then like, that's their way of trying to protect their money. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, let's see. And then on top, on top of that, a lot of times races themselves will have bonus, uh, like prize money, um, in it. So Mm -hmm. 
in a weird way, it's you can almost like kind of double dip it uh, because like your company, your sponsor might be paying you. But then if you do well at a race, usually somewhere between first and fifth place, there's usually some extra money in there. Oh, um, okay. And then then you have a time limit usually to your contract. So I for me personally, I'm actually in, in renegotiations here pretty soon. And and I had a great first contract, like four years, like amazing. Yeah. And I knew I had so many teammates who had like one and a half years to prove themselves. Mm. So I, you know, then it gets reassessed and you, you see where you go from there. Um, and I think the only other thing like interesting of note is like potentially rollovers and rollovers could mean like rollovers mean like if you perform, it's usually for like substantial performances, like American records, things like that. You get X amount of money added to your base pay versus just like, you know, a bonus payout at the end of the year. Okay. So it's, it, it can be, it can be, there's no standard of like what to pay an athlete. So, you know, it, you could really be taken advantage of, or it can be actually a really robust way of making a living. Um, but you don't know. That's why I say it's not for like faint of heart at times. Yeah. How would you go about, so let's just say if I, you know, came out of high school, you know, I didn't play college soccer. How would how would I go about trying to maybe get scouted or found out or something like that or like what what's you know some advice that you would give some you know aspiring professional or wannabe professional athlete you know what's some advice that you would give them? Yeah, especially if you're not going the traditional route, you're going to be fighting an uphill battle, and so I think one of the really important things is going to be like uh, there's there's a lot of meets put on by uh, the USA Track and Field Association, um, mm -hmm. and they usually run like the main circuits that lead up to USAs. And I would get in as when you're ready, like you know, because I'm. This is probably assuming that you don't have like a school budget helping you get around. So you like you know they need they need to make sure that they're actually ready to perform, and then they need to line up a few races that are within the purview of the USATF uh, Foundation because. You're gonna be. You're not gonna get the chance to race probably people your age. You're gonna be racing people that are in your skill level more so. Mm -hmm. You need to be ready to perform, which is you know it's a good thing to have that pressure. Um, and you want to go to these USATF races more so than like your local race that's just happening in the state, like mm -hmm. because you're more likely to have agents out there who are just there watching their athletes perform. You know, um, so it's it's really it's an exposure game. Gotcha. Um, I don't think like I, I, I've never heard of anyone doing like, you know, like the old school, like videoing tapes of themselves. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't hurt to create a catalog of the times you've run and 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 then the the curve of which you've improved, because like if you can show that you run somewhat competitive times and you you improve every year and then. And, and it's consistent like that's more so what people are looking for like people want to know that you can improve and get better and that you can be competitive so so mm. yeah okay yeah because i remember uh when i was in high school i, I played uh soccer up until junior year and then i, mm -hmm. I just made some stupid choices and didn't play my senior year and now of course you know i'm kicking myself in the bus i i, I love uh, the sport i want to play so bad and even when i was done with high school i was like man i really wonder if i would be able to uh you know just kind of like a walk-on kind of thing um 
So I was just kind of curious, you know, like maybe what advice, you know, you would be able to give someone like that. But that, that I think that's good, you know, oh, just yeah. try and try and get exposure. You know, that's, that's definitely one of the things there. There's probably, I would argue, you know, basketball camps, football camps, you know, probably camps for every, every sport in most states or, you know, most areas of the world where uh, you could get at least, you know, an eye on you and maybe talk to someone, right? Yeah, oh, 100%. And I think, like, you know, you need a coach. Like, it's not so probably much later in your career that you probably could go without a coach, but most people need a coach at all times. Like, mm-hmm. um, and that's something I would say. Like, if it's someone that was in your situation, you know, it's and they missed a year and then they're trying, like, they're not sure if they can walk on or not to mm-hmm. a team, like in, in college, like, all, like, always, like, this is just, this is just, this is just a life skill, right? Like, yeah. in some in some ways, I think that what I'm about to say has gotten lost sometimes with social media and like seeing so much perfection or the mock version of perfection around you that it leads to like being frozen. But go build bridges. Like, don't like just because you may not be good enough to walk onto a team right away. Go talk to the college coach and tell them who you are, what time you've run, and then yeah. they will tell you what you need to do, and they will like you more for the initiative. And, um, it, 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 it goes, that just fits in so many facets of life. Um, so I, I think that if you don't go the college route, like you're gonna, and you want to become a professional athlete, like professional track and field runner, it's going to take so much initiative. It's going to take finding a coach and being honest. It's going to take finding someone to help you with weights. It's going to be like, Getting, creating a team around you whereas like that's probably the biggest advantage people in college have is they get an a, a family like pre-built in before they even go to college right so it's yeah. like suddenly everything works like clockwork well yeah. you might as well be you're almost like in a way like starting a mini business which is in my opinion that's awesome if you can make that work because like you will come out of the sport actually so much better off than people who go to college and then the traditional route you just you have so many more more tools yeah um so last thing i kind of want to of course ask you about your accomplishments and stuff um can you Mm -hmm. just kind of give like a brief overview you know like what you've excelled in because i've seen like a wiki page and stuff but like i kind of want to hear from the horse's mouth if you will like what are some of the things that you've ran and like some of the the tournaments and stuff that you competed in like where'd you place and all yeah so um i would say my like i'll start at the high school level so it was like high school um i kind of pretty much did everything that you could do in terms of like getting the state and all of those sorts of things and i actually i just i i was dead last in my first ever state championship meet um in every event that i did Mm. so which was really like eye-opening to how good you actually have to be went back to the you know got back on the horse so to speak and in high school ended up actually um gosh it's so long ago but i i ran like (laughs) 404 in the mile as a senior and i won i won that race at state ended up doubling back and running 115 and 800 and winning that like two hours later which was like it, it felt so good and that's probably what got me into college but also um I think I was third that year in cross country. Uh, and and the only reason I bring this up is because like uh, a lot of people who are like really good in sport, 
they usually start off pretty good. Like I was so bad. Like I I had girls on the team who could beat me when I was a freshman for sure by like mm-hmm. two minutes. Um, so I ended up placing third in cross country and then went to the Nike cross nationals meet, which is like a high school, like, uh, nationals event. And they actually, they run it out in, in, uh, Portland and they do it in the winter. So it's like pretty cold. Like they, it's like, I swear they do it on the coldest day and you, it's like a cross, it's like a cross country course that's done in the style of like European cross country courses. So you have like, Hey, uh, bay, like a fails to jump over and stuff like that. And yeah. I ended up placing sixth in the nation that, that year. Wow. And that was, that was really eye opening as to like, okay, we can really actually do this. And then I had a really similar story to college. Like funny that you say you, you did some schooling in Portland. So my first year of college, I went to the university of Portland. So like, no I know, I know the area and, <laughs> uh, it was a little too grungy for me, but, yeah, yeah, um, that's true. <laughs> uh, I hit rock bottom there. Like I, I actually, I became, I, I, well, it didn't help that I like got a freshman 20. Like I'd never had unlimited food before. So I had a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream every day before practice. Oof. Like a full pint Oof. is uh, a heartburn and it was delicious, man. Yeah. Um, but got a hit rock bottom there and ended up transferring out back to UW and had to rebuild completely and 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 go through the process of like not being good and when i was a junior in college i actually ended up winning pack 12s uh in the 1500 and nothing like crazy fast but it was like you know in college a lot of those mile races end up being super tactical and Mm -hmm. it comes down to like hundreds of a second so me that was a big deal because it was like i can actually strategize and have the fitness to out sprint people on the end. And that was only like this, that was just a springboard into the, like my senior year in college of NCAAs where, um, I, I ended up placing, um, cross country, like has always been harder for me. Cause I'm a bit of a bigger dude. So like, I have a little bit more muscle than most people. Um, I'm like 160 pounds, which sounds small, but like when most of your competitions, like 130 or less, like yeah, true. You, you're carrying a lot more weight. Yeah. Um, so 10 K's were always hard for me and that's what they ran cross country wise. So I ended up placing 30th there and that still springboarded me so much more into, into NCAAs. I, I ended up second, um, in the 1500 at NCAAs and, uh, that year was 2016. So never having ever done a USA anything. I, cause I always just took time off. Mm-hmm. I did my first USA's, which was actually Olympic trials for 2016. And I, it's, it's actually really brutal. I ended up placing 10th and I say it's brutal for Olympic trials is because every round of the 1500, there's three rounds and only like, it's only like five or six people make it out of each round and it gets less and less. And you start off with like 30 people like from the whole pool and you Hmm. in a, in a course of three days, they whittle it down to like a field of 12 people. Um, so for me, that was a huge deal. Like coming out of college, like having, as you race so much more in college than you do as a professional athlete. So like being exhausted, coming out and placing 10th in and making it through rounds at professional athletes weren't making it through is a big deal. Um, and then, uh, and I was like, I was super tired, 
went became a professional athlete and I, I this probably frustrated my professional coach so much but I was like coach I'm I'm so tired I can't run and he'll kind of let it be until it had like two months had gone by hmm. and then I was like I gotta I gotta start don't I and he was like you you need to start yeah so it actually ended up kicking me in the butt and basically had an exact repeat of college and um I would say like the highs of my career so far as uh, in 2018 I ended up placing second at uh, USA's and which was a bummer because it it wasn't a world championship or an Olympic team but um I ended up uh making running a uh, the North American Caribbean American um championships uh off of that and so I ended up winning that and that was an awesome race it was run in Toronto Canada and and so uh, it, it, it's kind of funny because it's a bit of a joke. Like it's it's nowhere near as hard as like the European version, but mm-hmm. um, still, it's a cool feather to have in the cap. And like yeah, to get yeah. to do that in Toronto was awesome. And then from that, like I got invited to run on like World Athletics Cup, which was such a cool race. It was in Teddington. Uh, or no, it was in sorry not Teddington. It was in London. I stayed in Teddington. And the idea behind that was. They wanted to try a new model, and I don't think it's going to stick, but they wanted to do something where they brought all these countries together. Instead of making it about individuals, they made it about the teams. So like the bib that goes on your uniform doesn't have your name on it. It just has your team. That's cool. And they score it like a – yeah, it's awesome. They scored it like a meet like you would in high school where it's like country versus country adding up the points of the runners of where they placed. And, um, man, and then there was like a massive purse, and – the whole experience was awesome. I mean, USA, we ended up just demolishing. Um, mm-hmm. And it was so fun to be on a team like that uh, and in that format. So I think in my race, I ended up placing fourth. Um, and then, gosh, time-wise, like like I said, I, I started off pretty bad. Like I started off not being able to break 20 minutes for a 5K till like now I, I'm like, I'm hoping this is the year, but uh, I'm right at like, I'm 353 for a mile. Um, wow. So, yeah. Holy crap. You get, re- you get really good at things when all you do is is that one thing. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I can remember in high school uh, when I when my um coach would try and have us try out for varsity and stuff, he'd be like, "Yeah, yeah. you got to run a 6-minute mile." And I remember thinking, "Oh my gosh, I can't do a 6-minute mile, but here you are doing sub 4." <laughs> I probably couldn't do seven now because I'm just lazy. But dang, sub four minute mile—that's insane. Ah oh, man, that it's it's so much work to get there. I I don't know if I recommend it, but I'm very proud of it. And also, when you realize where you still got to go, because the world record is like three forty four. Yeah. So the U.S. record is three forty nine or three forty seven for outdoors. Mm-hmm. So. That's the goal. That's the goal is to to make steps towards that. So we we're still, you know, we're still yeah. far away off from that. But yeah, um, but yeah, this might be the year. Wow, that'd be so cool. That that'd be awesome to think. Man, I spoke to the world record holder for the mile. That would be so cool <laughs> to think about. I mean, not to mention, you know, like that would just be an incredible accomplishment. Like I I, oh, yeah. I honestly could not imagine breaking a world record, especially in something you know. That's like the world record. Like just that, that just blows my mind to think that, you know, like, of course, you know, it's probably much more than 
you know, say 15, 10 or 15 seconds, you know, it's probably a whole lot more than just, oh, it's only a couple seconds. But like, just thinking about it, you're pretty close to that. Yeah, it's it's so funny because it's it, it, it's so close and yet so far. Like yeah. you get to this point and every year is like a half a second. Like yeah. you're just, you're, uh, oh man. But, you know, it's the pursuit of it. It's mm-hmm. the it's the setting a goal that's almost feels overwhelmingly impossible and trying to attain it. That that that's like that's the meaningful part. Like that's that's what gets me up in the morning. You know, put on the yeah. shoes. Like, let's chase something and um, try and become better than we were yesterday. And like, you know, it provides that for that realm. So yeah, man, yeah, we'll keep whittling away. That's so cool. Just real quick, how would you even go about shaving off seconds in a mile like that? Is it like sheer determination or is it like muscles or is it short hair or like what's like a <laughs> what's like a, a thing, you know, like a I don't know, the the thing, you know, if you will, that shaves off seconds? Uh, Let's see. Um, well, I think first for me, I need the afro to do it. That's my confidence <laughs> maker. But um. You know, uh, 98% of it is discipline. Mm. That's what it is. Like, okay. I mean, obviously you have to have the talent. Yeah, yeah you do. 98% of it's discipline. It's mm. the ability to wake up in the morning and do the same exact thing that you did before. You know, and not, not every yeah, day yeah. is the same, but it's it, like, it's the same goal. It's the same, like, nothing about, nothing about it's glorious. Nothing's like, nothing, like, the the saying that champions are made when no one's watching is so true and mm-hmm. and it's like of course everyone thinks that when you have these performances it's so cool cuz it is but if they had to watch what you do every day like the weightlifting the the, the repeats in the rain the the um monotonous like 2 hour long run you do on Sundays mm-hmm. and it's not glorious you like and it and it's and it's the ability to accept the monotony and to see it in the grander scale of the bigger picture and to know that you're you're going to fail like you are going to fail mm-hmm. and the only thing that makes that makes you stand out if you have all the talent and stuff like that is you are going to fail and you're you're going to figure out what made you fail and how to like stand back up and then climb over that hump and use that to be better. And I would say that's 98% of it. And then 2% of it is confidence. 2% of it is, is it's that belief. It's that mental side. Like, I mean, you hear about like, you know, the old story of like the mom who lifts up the, the car to save her child when she never should have been able to. And yeah, uh, just like acts of strength that do come from like sheer will, yeah. like, you like Mike Tyson's a great one. Like he would literally be hypnotized and talk about being scared. Like, and then as soon as he got into a fight, he no longer existed. All that existed was like the beating down of his opponent. Yeah. Was that punch. And like, you have to be able to step into that zone, that flow state um, in order to, to do that. Because if you don't do it, someone else that you're racing that day will. Mm-hmm. And if you could both be like right about in the same percentages, there's something about that flow state that just unlocks so much more potential. Um, and so you have to be able to like that last 2%. That's, and that's, that's where 
most of the time champions are made as well. Mm. Like, um, and the ability to just kind of like get that last little push to overcome. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, yeah no, it that's does. Kind yeah. Of my thoughts. Yeah, no, I, it, it's, it's so true. You know, a lot of people and I, I can kind of speak, you know, not of course to the same caliber of experience, but you know, like even trying to just, you know, be the best I could be in a high school sport, you know, people didn't see all the training and stuff that went into it. But, you know, whenever I would score a free kick or something, I'd be like, wow, you make that look so easy. It's like, yeah, dude, I've been practicing that for months, you know, years. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely um, agree with you 100%. Um, so I'm going to ask you this last question and then we're going to end things because okay. I actually have okay. Chipotle sitting here and I'm starving. Uh, I'm <laughs> so, so jealous. I uh... love Chipotle so good. Um, in the email that I sent you, I, I gave you a little heads up saying um, if there's a piece of advice that you could give someone, because I do believe that everyone, you know, they, regardless of who they are, they always have something that they could share that someone else can take and actually apply to themselves. Um, so, you know, this could be about sports. This, this could be, literally be about anything um, you want it to be. It doesn't have to be about anything that we talked about today either. But what would be like a piece of advice that you would like to like pass down to someone? Yeah, I think I, I actually I feel like I kind of hit it earlier. Okay. But what I had thought about was just um, and a part part of this comes from my life experiences with being as being a professional athlete, but then my dad being uh, having the mindset and the experience he had with the military in in its it's the ability to to scaffold off of failure and hardship. It's um the ability to see the grander picture and you know like there's no for me I was taught at an early age and I think that this is what's made a huge difference in my life of like we're going to make this happen. I don't know how, but we're going to make this happen and we're going to figure out along the way mm-hmm. is um there's Failure is not failure until you decide it's failure. Mm. Like something might not have gone right. Something might not have been something that you wanted. But that's ammunition for you to like get pumped up for how you can fix it uh, and do better next time. And it's also a learning experience. Like it's it's a lesson. That's what it is. And I and, I, and I've noticed now as i'm like reconnecting with old friends who like kind of like bemoan their circumstances in life or their direction it's that it's that life is against them and i'm sure to some degree it is you know but things are things are hard and it's always other things faults and but there's never any like ownness of like there's been failures and whether it was my fault or not or like these circumstances met with these circumstances led to this. A lot of people don't, they just like hit that failure and that's it. They're like, that didn't work. They don't figure out how to use that failure to try again adjacently mm, yeah, and, and get where you want. And so I think like that's probably the most important thing that's really changed my life. Yeah. I, 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 I love hearing that because we have such a, we live in such a culture, at least here in the States. I'm not sure what it's like everywhere else, but at least here in the States, you know, everyone just kind of, if something doesn't happen, they just get defeated. You know, they take it to social media. They want to get the likes, you know, they, they, they use it in such a negative way, you know, regardless of how, whatever the outcome is or whatever the goal is, if something doesn't happen in the right way, oh, I'm anxious now. You know what I mean? Not to, of course, you know, be disrespectful in that regard. Um, 
but no, that, that's a really good piece of advice. You know, people need to hear that. You got to take it and you got to use it. Yeah. That 100%. I think, I think a lot of outcomes would be radically different if you, if that was applied more, but you yeah. know, each their own. Yeah. To each their own. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Isaac, for speaking with me. That was a nice, long conversation. Um, go ahead real quick and just kind of shout out your podcast again and like where it's at uh, in case if anyone wants to hit up Starlight. Well, I just took it, but go ahead and <laughs> say it again, you know, just kind of where, where it's located and everything. Yeah, totally. If you uh, are like me and you have many different interests, um, maybe just go ahead and check out Starlight. Uh, it's an actual play uh, D&D podcast or an adjacent thing to an audio drama. And you can find it just about anywhere podcasts are played, you know? So go ahead and check that out. Might not be your t uh, cup of tea, but I think there's a little something for everyone. Yeah. And like I said, I'm not a big D&D &D fan, but I did enjoy listening to this. So if you're into that, definitely give it a, give it a listen to. But awesome. Anyway, thank you again so much, Isaac, for doing this and for just being, you know, transparent with your contract and just being so open about everything. And honestly, just being such a nice person. You're you're very chill, very kind, very nice. And the way you articulate everything is just, it, it's, you know, it, it definitely speaks to your uh, character. Very ginger, you know. You're honestly just such a nice person to talk to. I had a pleasure. It, it was Dude, so good. I, likewise, this has been awesome. Um, I would say, like, getting to meet other podcasters and and it's been a really cool experience and I, and I appreciate it. So, yeah, like what you're doing. Oh, thanks, dude. It's kind of cool, you know, that you probably live like, I mean, I, I don't know exactly, but, you know, just across the highway from me, if anything. So that's pretty cool. You know, someone that's huh. real close to home. Yeah, we'll have to dude, we'll have to grab some brews or something sometime. For sure. I'll, I'll hit you up and we'll we'll figure something out. But uh, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, let me hold you from that Chipotle, man. Nah, dude, it's all good. It's all good. But again, thank you so much for, for being uh, uh, just so, you know, open with everything and whatnot. Go ahead and send me uh, the link to your uh, hosting site or whatever you want me to put in the show notes. Go ahead and just uh, message that uh, to me on Discord. So then when this goes live, uh, I can put that in there. Um, you okay. know, anything about podcasts, whatever else you want to put in, I'll be sure to, sure to link that. But uh, yeah, thanks again so much. And I hope you enjoy uh, the night and you have a great week. Yeah, same. You too. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thanks again. Really appreciate it. All right. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Dude, Isaac's freaking lit, bro. What the heck? He, that was such a nice conversation. It was just so chill. It, it's so nice to speak to someone who's just so down to earth and so relaxed and so chill. It, it, it's super nice to, to have conversations like that. I really enjoyed, you know, learning about the whole track and field thing. I literally had no clue that, you know, you could have a job like that. I, I've only heard about sports jobs, you know, oh, I play basketball or, you know, I play football. I never knew that you could run. That's awesome. Not to mention, you know, just the accomplishments that he's done. It, it Phenomenal. I couldn't imagine that. Imagine running a sub four minute mile or for those in Europe, you know, a kilometer and... 1.2 kilometers or something like that 1.3 i don't know what the the conversion rate is but in sub four minutes that's insane bro what what a person what an awesome guy such a good time thank you for listening to this episode of across the pond if you feel that this was something that deserved your time you really enjoyed it or even if you really disliked it please rate it however you see fit on whatever platform you're on 
If you think you know someone that would love to be a guest on an episode, please send them my email address. That's acrossthepondpod01 at gmail.com. It's in the show notes. You can also connect with me on Twitter at kingservant. That's K-1-N-G-S-S-E-R-V-A-N-T. I want to thank Mark for making the logo for me and for the Black Couch label and solo artist Ollie H for making the music. And I want to thank you, the listener, for being here and giving this about an hour of your time. Really do appreciate it. Tune in next Sunday for another episode of Across the Pond.